Hello and welcome to another cursed episode of Saved by the 90s. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we have a guy whose favorite cursed object is in the form of oddly specific letterbox list. Mr. Ken Bakley. Hey, Ken. Hello. What is possibly better than that? <laughs> exactly. This month on the show, we're going to be going back to television and talking about Friday the 13th, the series. Now, if you remember, two months ago, we talked about Nightmare on Elm Street. The, the series and now we're, we're coming back to the Friday the 13th TV series which is quite a bit different than the Nightmare on Elm Street series there's there are some similarities I, I guess between the two but for the most part it's it's kind of a uh, kind of a different beast uh, this one lasted for three seasons and went it, it started in 1987 and ran all the way up to 1990. So we're going to do the same thing that we did with the Nightmare on Elm Street series. And we're going to talk about the final 10 episodes of the third season, which all aired in 1990. So uh, just I think I guess maybe before we jump into the, the first episode that we're going to dive into, maybe we can discuss a little bit of background about the show. Because although it is an anthology series like the Nightmare on Elm Street one, there are some through lines that happen in this show. So I guess, is there a synopsis that I can read? Um, There's a really basic synopsis on IMDb. I'll just read it really quickly. Two young antique store owners must recover cursed antiques. (laughs) Even in one sentence, that's not entirely accurate. Yeah. no, not really. I mean, well, so that's how it starts out. Now, I don't know, uh, Ken, if you read up on this series as a whole, as far as like the the plot. Not really. I, I because if because where we jumped in, and I didn't know this when we set out on this project, but where we jumped in, the show is kind of different than the way that it starts off. So. The way that it starts off, you have this antique store owner. It's like one of these kind of uh, like oddities. It's like a little, it's like a store of oddities. And this guy who owns this store, he he dies in a very mysterious way. And in his will, he leaves the store to his two, uh, to his niece and nephew, I believe. And uh they when they come to like i guess gather up the stuff to like sell it off or whatever get rid of it they end up meeting up with this other guy who um is played by chris wiggins and he tells them that it turns out that your uncle was he basically sold his soul to the devil and part of the deal was that he had to sell these cursed artifacts to everyone and every like everyone he can just get disperse these artifacts throughout the 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 world um so after they make this discovery the the show that's sort of the premise of the show is them going around going through this like ledger of uh, of artifacts and trying to recover them and then seal them away in the basement now Unfortunately, by the third season, uh, one of the principal, one of the main cast members leaves the show and they replace him. So uh, John D. LeMay plays Ryan and he's the he's the cousin. He gets replaced in at the beginning of the third season by Steve Monarque, who plays the character of Johnny Ventura. Which is what a mo- great name. I mean, come on now. Johnny Ventura. Mickey Forster or Mickey Foster and Johnny Ventura. <laughs> and Jack Marshak. Uh I have no complaints about the character names on the show. No. No, they're great. They're great. So yeah, uh the character of Johnny replaces the character of Ryan. Uh and unfortunately Johnny is like a much lamer character than than Ryan was. Like Ryan was a goofball, but the the two characters are very different and I think that that Johnny was like 
it's like the equivalent of like when uh when fox Mulder left the x-files and was replaced with agent daggett like it was still okay i guess but it wasn't it definitely wasn't the same interestingly uh the way that they wrote him off the show was that he got in he got possessed by a demon and in the process of like undoing the possession and stuff like that he got he had he got like a benjamin buttons situation where he got younger and reverted back to a child and they couldn't and that was it like he was just he was like uh 12 years old again and he went he just went home with his mom and that's it <laughs> that's how they wrote him off the show quite a way to be written off a show yeah uh so throughout the series you have uh i mean most of the episodes are kind of standalone monster of the week things involving a cursed object however you will have some episodes that that attempt to push forward the like overall narrative of of the the series and then you'll also have a couple episodes here and there it seems like they they were far more frequent in the third season where it doesn't involve a, a cursed object at all it's just like something else supernatural that they're having to deal with and that's like that's when you know that they started to to run out of ideas i mean by the end of the show like first of all this this series was very unceremoniously canceled before they even finished shooting the third season so there's only 20 episodes in the third season whereas the other seasons i think the the second season had like 20 was it 26 episodes and and the second season did too so they canceled it like probably six or so episodes short and there was no ending either like the the series just it's just a regular episode that's the last one um the other thing to mention is the fact that uh this has no relation to the friday the 13th uh movie series at all <laughs> like no, not, not not even <laughs> not even a little bit uh i think the only thing that ties the two together is the logo like that's really the only thing now you can draw some comparisons a couple of the directors that were involved in this show did direct uh like some of the friday the 13th movies and the like producer on this show was involved in the the film series so there's very loose ties and some of the actors from some of the movies are in episodes of this but yeah for the most part not connected at all there was a rumor that the way that this show was going to end was going to be an episode that tied this into the 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 movie universe where the cursed item is the hockey mask which i think would have been really cool but it, it it doesn't sound like they got much of a runway to actually end the show though no i mean that I, who knows i mean that that script might have been written yeah but because yeah. it because it, it, i uh, the minimal amount of research suggests to me that they that they found out that the show was being canceled in the middle of the production of mm-hmm. the last episode which makes sense because if we'll get to it but in the very last scene of the last episode it does very much feel like it's uh it's the the the, the last exchange of dialogue feels like a very abrupt way to try and wrap up the entire show yeah yeah so that's kind of the the basis for the show, I would say. Uh, it, it's, you know, it, it kind of, it's the type of series that we've seen before. But interestingly, like, I don't know how many shows there were that kind of tackled this before Friday the 13th, the series. I mean, we had like, like Erie, Indiana, I feel like kind of cribs from this and even the X-Files, like this feels very similar to the X-Files. And like there were shows li- like later on that were that seemed to be inspired from this show. Or maybe the concept is, you know, general enough that you could have other media properties that just feel similar. But either way, I think it's a cool concept. The problem is that a lot of the ideas that they had 
I mean, I, I think they ran out of ideas. Like, like later on in the show, specifically the third season, it gets ridiculous. Like some of the cursed items, like a an embalming machine, <laughs> a cursed embalming machine. Like, come on, <laughs> they, they, yeah. they were clearly running out of uh, cursed objects at this point. You, you, I remember when you first started going through the show in the early season episodes. You were telling me that you re- that you liked the show, that you thought it was that that, that you were having a good time watching these episodes. So mm-hmm. by the time I just jumped in watching only the 1990 episodes, I had to assume that th- this show fell off pretty hard by then. It did. It did. So. To me, the when I started watching the show, and, and I, I started watching this. I think it was before we even decided to to really do this. I think I was just like, it was right off of uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street. I was just kind of curious after that to check this out, and like the first half of the first season, I think is pretty good. It feels like each episode feels like its own like cheesy eighties horror movie. That's kind of the vibe that I was getting from each one. And I was having a good time with it. Like I I thought it was pretty fun. Like the the cursed objects were cooler, like there were dolls and stuff. And also like you know, like the Nightmare on Elm Street series, this was a little bit more edgy for television for the time. This was a show in syndication and I think it did sort of push the envelope of what you could get away with on on TV for the time. I know with these sorts of shows, they would kind of put them in, in, the intention was to put them in late night spots, although I don't know if it ended up like Freddy's Nightmares where they all end up going on at 4.30 in the afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know how this was, like, where this ended up, but, um, yeah. At any rate, comparing the two, I think that this one... it it is at least stronger. Like it feels like there was more effort with this show, even in the even in the later yeah. episodes. It seems like there was more effort. Like Freddy's Nightmares was just, it was just bad. Like every one of them was bad. This one, yes. this one, they seem to now. To just for some background, as far as what I watched, I didn't watch the whole series. I watched the entire first season, and then I watched. Uh, I think like maybe one or two episodes of the second season. And then I watched the, the 10 that we're going to cover. And I also watched the first two episodes of the third season, because that's when I had to, I didn't know how they wrote Ryan off the show and when, like how that played out. And I wanted to see that. And aren't you happy you found that out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am. I mean, I probably could have looked it up, but I I just wanted to, uh, yeah. I just wanted to see how they how it played out. But yeah, they uh, they turned him into a child. And that's that's, mm-hmm. that's what they did. <laughs> so let's get started with this. We're gonna start with season three, episode ten, "Mightier Than the Sword." Um, this is about a cursed pen, <laughs> which you know. It, that that concept in in and of itself is I think that's fine. Like I don't have a problem with a cursed pen. It sounds ridiculous at first, but then when you see how it's how it's used, so uh, they this one involves a a writer who he gets the cursed pen. It's a it's like a fountain pen. It's like an old school fountain pen, and instead of ink, it uses blood. So what you do is now. I should preface this by saying that the way the curses work in this show, they're they're basically all the same. Every curse does the same thing where it gives you something, but you have to use that object to kill people. Almost every single one of them follows that formula. Hmm. And with this one, uh, what what they do is you you stab somebody with the pen and you suck their blood out. And then you write what you want them to do with the pen and they are like mind controlled by you. Like they have to do what you write. And then, and then you, I guess when you're done with them, you like, uh, you you stick, you stab them again. I can't remember. I think you stab them again and squirt the blood back into them. And then, 
and then they they don't remember anything that they did. I think that if you start off the series with this episode, I think it's a good primer as far as like mm. what a general episode is like. Um, and and it also I think is a good primer for just how the show looks aesthetically, which is to say it is so damn dark that you can barely see anything at all times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like everybody on this show w- was like, you know how to make, you know how to set the mood. We just make everything dark that creates I, atmosphere guys. That's I literally did not know what was happening for giant <laughs> chunks of every episode. Yeah. I'm not exaggerating. There is a scene that takes place uh, in a later episode that it's um you know what i think it's in an i think it was in like an earlier episode actually that takes place in a doctor's office and yeah you sent me this yeah i i took a screenshot of it because it was so ridiculous it was it was like what what in the world kind of doctor's office do you go in and there are no all the lights are off can you imagine how awkward it would be if you had to go to the doctor's for a checkup or whatever you needed to meet the doctor about some test results maybe and you go into the office and it's in total darkness <laughs> what i like about the image that sent me is that the only light is implied to be like projected oh, light coming in through the window, the window through the yeah blinds. yeah so with the horizontal blinds and usually in in kind of obvious filmmaking that's the way to symbolize that someone's about to go to prison <laughs> it's just it's <laughs> it so looks like the prison it's so <laughs> ridiculous. The lighting in this show is absolutely atrocious. Everything is dark. There's no light anywhere in this show. And it's like really, really annoying. But, you know, that's just, that's, that's what, what it is. So how, what, what were your thoughts on Mightier Than the Sword with the uh, cursed ink pen? The, I mean, it does get to the point where I begin to think about how often overqualified the production of these episodes were. This has uh, Colm Fear as the uh, as the right as the writer in the episode. The actual episode itself is written by Brian Helgeland, who would be like eight years away from winning an Oscar. Uh, also, I did notice going back to the um, first episode that I didn't see, but while you were talking about it, I looked it up. One of the guest actors in that first episode is Sarah Polly, who we can now say as of last week is also an Academy Award winner. Yeah, um, also David Cronenberg directed yeah, at least he, he directed at least that. one episode. I think he I think he did only one. Hmm. But uh Yeah, there's some really interesting production stuff going on here. Yeah. I mean I guess I don't I I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't know what was going on in Canadian television at this particular moment in time. But yeah, a lot, I, of, a lot of people were uh careers were coinciding, I guess. I figured we'd mention that at some point that this is a Canadian. This is, prof- this is profoundly Canadian. It is, television. It is very Canadian. Uh, people, especially uh, the the actress who plays Mickey Foster, Robbie or Roby, I don't know. Mm-hmm. She, which at some point, I guess during this point in her career, she just went by her last name because mm-hmm. I think she was trying to become a, a, a like a singer as well. And she just went under the name Roby. And she, throughout this whole series, really struggles with hiding, I guess, a Canadian accent. She lets well, it, so do, she lets it so slip do, a lot. So do plenty of people. And oh, it's yeah. wild because this show is clearly set in the United States. Oh, yeah. I mean, the very first episode is about, you know, the, the, the first episode we watch that begins in an execution during an execution where, where one of the guys that the, that the author has, uh, ha, ha, uh, has, has used to create his true crime books only wakes, only is taken, only is taken out of the fountain pen induced evil right before he's executed. And the, the, this was long past the last execution in Canada. This is quite clearly set in the United States. Yeah. It's set in a, or it mostly like the shop, is in a city. I don't know if it's New York or not. I can't remember, but it definitely takes place in a city. Although, you know, they travel all over the place. But uh yeah, so 
So that's the thing with with Mightier Than the Sword. The guy who's using the pen is the, the kind of books that he's writing. So he started off as like this kind of like hack uh, horror writer or something and then switched to true crime and how he is getting his ideas and I guess selling books is by, you know, creating the the stories that he's writing, which, you know, that's definitely a lot of movies that we've seen that have that uh, have that storyline, but still not a bad episode. I don't think it's uh, this was fine. I kind of like this one as much as I could. When I could tell what was going on. <laughs> when you could see it. Uh, the next episode is called Year of the Monkey. Uh, this one is one of these that kind of deviates from the the typical formula in that the objects in question here were not from the shop, I don't think. they, But they're like these... Uh, the the monkeys the uh, see no evil hear no evil speak no evil monkeys and uh, the they like come alive and like t- like kind of tell people like like they they allow you to like hear thoughts and it's about a, a family who uh, I guess the the siblings are being tested by their father who owns this like company and and he's trying to find like a successor or something and this is like part of the test but uh somebody's like killing him it's this one's not great uh no no um the (laughs) i'll tell you the effects work on the these statues as it were is ridiculous like these things, they put no effort into making these statues. They're horrible. They look horrible. But I don't really have much to say about this one. It was just, uh, it's very average. When it, th- this one starts off in a, in a flashback that's in black and white. And I was like, oh, this is going to be kind of a different episode. But then, like, they kind of get rid of that. They come back to it throughout the episode, but none of it is very interesting. And I I don't know. I just found this episode to be pretty middle of the road, kind of boring. I didn't like, I, I, I realized that I don't like the episodes where they're not looking for one of the cursed objects that they need for the collection. Yeah. Uh, the next one, which is called Epitaph for a Lonely Soul. This is the one about the cursed embalmer, which is out of all the objects you could curse. Yeah, I mean, an embalming machine. Yes, th- this seems like it would be a very late run in the series kind of idea. <laughs> yeah. They're at this point you you realize they're completely out of ideas. Uh this one is it's kind of like a reanimator rip off a little bit where the you can use the embalming machine to like bring people back to life. Um you know, this one's like really cheesy. I I didn't hate this one either. It's the, uh, the kind of effects that they had. They like animated lightning zap stuff that comes out of the embalming machine was kind of cheesy and fun. I don't know. This one was okay, I guess. Although there was, there was, um, Oh no, shoot. It it wasn't this episode. It was a later episode. Never mind. (laughs) I, I, it's, it's listen, these are really easy to get mixed up, so oh yeah, be be prepared for me to uh, kind of stumble and mix mix some of these up as we as we move along. So yeah, uh, also yeah, also I was kind of quite sick over the weekend while I was finishing up watching these episodes, uh, or yesterday into today, uh, really. So I really don't have an idea what happens in some of them. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine that like through like the the sickness delirium would uh, would just kind of mess you up because you'd probably be like fading in and out of consciousness as you're trying to watch these. Yeah, but even if I wasn't, the reason that I don't feel like my opinions probably changed that much is even if I was, how much more would I have retained? (laughs) Yeah, uh, right. 
Although I will say that this does seem like the, the type of show that would be nice to to watch while you're sick, where you can just oh yeah, tr- you need nothing. You just turn your brain it's- off. You know, you you cuddle up on the couch or in bed or whatever, and you just put these on and just veg out. Mm-hmm. The next episode, episode thirteen of season three, is called Midnight Riders. Uh, although it's about a motorcycle gang called Dragon Riders, which is. <laughs> Come if on. anything, a better episode title. Yeah, uh, Dragon Riders. Like I, I, I'm sorry, but I don't know if you could take. If I saw somebody with that uh, motorcycle club name, Dragon Riders, I don't know. I don't Dragon know if I'd Riders. quite take them as seriously as like the Hell's Angels or something. But no. Uh, so this one is. Uh, well, first of all, I found this one to be pretty boring. I actually had to rewatch this one because it was it was an episode where I watched it and then after it was over, I realized that I had not paid attention at all throughout the entire thing and I didn't I didn't like retain anything of what happened, so I actually had to rewatch this one. Um, Did but, you pick up anything new on the second watch? Uh, a, a little bit. Enough to write down some notes. Let's put it that way. So this one, and also it's because this one starts off like really feeling a, a bit disjointed. It, it all comes together by the end, but it starts off kind of kind of wonky where you have like the main characters looking at through a telescope and enjoying the the night sky. And then like, I guess a couple like a hundred yards away is like a couple making out in a car. And then, and then all of a sudden Jack's dad uh, appears. And this is crazy because like Jack, Jack Marshak played by Chris Wiggins. He's an older guy. He's an older gentleman. And his dad shows up and I'm like, these two look like they're brothers. They could be the same age. Well, as it turns out, that's that's all part of the episode. Yeah, so I looked it up, and and uh, these actors were actually only fourteen years apart uh, from each other. So I guess technically, the guy could have been. Well, it's, it's supposed to. I guess it's well. My understanding, based on reading more material later, is that it was supposed to be you know, the the the, the spirit, the ghost. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. As it as it turns out, at the you find out at the end through uh, an M. Night Shyamalan twist that his dad was dead the whole time and it was a ghost dad situation. Yes. This one is sort of like uh, the the plot of Sometimes They Come Back crossed with Sleepy Hollow where you have uh, this um, you have this uh, motorcycle gang that uh, that appears and they're, they're ghosts and they start terrorizing this this town. They start killing people in this town. And the the people, you know, our, our main characters who are kind of investigating this, they don't know what's going on at first. But then they realize that 17 years ago, there was this incident where a woman claimed to be sexually assaulted by this motorcycle gang. And the town got together and killed them all. And it turned out that she was lying. And uh, the the ghosts of these, you know, bikers came back for revenge, but also to resurrect their leader, who was uh, the headless biker person. If you couldn't tell by that uh, description, this episode's kind of got bad vibes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it does have bad vibes. Uh, especially because when, when you find out, so the there's two two young kids, younger kids. That was the the couple who was making out at the beginning of the show. Uh, you, you find out that they're brother and sister. You find out that they are half siblings in it. So not only does this uh, this this episode deal with uh, false accusations of sexual assault, but it also deals with incest. So there's that too this episode throughout this show there are a couple episodes that you're just like oof uh, I don't know man I just we'll, I don't know we'll, if, I don't we'll, know if that's we'll get to another one oh, oh 
Yeah, the, the biggest one. The biggest one. Oh, it's coming up. In all of the all of the this whole series, I bet. Again, haven't watched most of the second season or the third, but the, there's no, nothing that can top the one that's coming up. I didn't think. I know we're talking about the exact same episode, and it doesn't say a lot. It doesn't say a lot about this show. That that's the only one that I remember vividly because I was horrified. <laughs> yeah. So it, it turns out that like that his dad, uh, Jack's dad, was involved with this uh, this like slaughter of these these innocent people, and that he ended up dying at sea, and. He came back with the gang, I guess, to um, atone for his sins. But uh, I don't remember. I, there's so much of this I don't remember. <laughs> it's yeah, and it's it seems like they 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 kind of fail. They like they 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 fail at stopping them, and they do resurrect the the leader of their gang or whatever. And if I remember correctly. They kill everybody they need to kill too. Like they, I, I, I'm pretty sure they kill the 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 lady. I think they kill them all, and then they just get away with it. So yeah, it's yeah. a weird episode. Yeah. Next uh-huh. is um, episode fourteen, repetition. Uh, this one, this one feels like almost like an episode of Tales from the Crypt. It's about a guy who is he's overworked. He's a he's a reporter. He's got a column in the newspaper. And he's just like, you know, burning the candle at both ends. And he's he's uh, driving home or to work. I can't remember which. And he starts to fall asleep and uh, he falls asleep at the wheel and ends up hitting a little girl with his car and killing her. And it turns out that this girl had a cursed locket and the, I guess when she died, like her soul went into the locket and basically haunts this guy. And what he does, what the, what the locket does is it just trades a life for a life. So he, what you do is you put the locket on the person, you kill that person. And then the person who is, pictured in the locket comes back to life so he is so distraught over killing this this little girl that he decides you know what i'm gonna kill my mom i'm just gonna kill my mom and that'll bring the girl back and because his mom's like super old and she's sick and whatever but then he kills his mom brings the girl back but then the mom haunts him so then he kills like a, a vagrant and then the vagrant haunts him and it's like did you, you not, think he would? You, you think he would figure this out at some point? All the while, all the while, he just, he's just completely losing it at this point. Like he's going completely insane. Um, and you know, I think it was it was a little bit. This one was a was a it was meh. This one was a little bit meh. The um, it's it's better. It's I it's a better concept than it is. Yeah, executed. I I think that. The guy was annoying, first of all. I, I think that he, the way that he he just overacted everything was was uh, a little bit annoying. And then um, also, I, I think this might be bad to say, but when the little girl got railed by the car when she got demolished, I laughed because <laughs> it was a it was a funny scene. Um, the way that they had the like dummy set up. And, you know, you'd think that in a show like this that they would just cut away. And, but no, no in this episode, they really they, wanted to try that, yeah, try, they, try and make that effect. They and, just straight up showed, uh, you know, the, the guy driving one of those like 80s, oh, ugly, ugly ass 80s, like Cadillacs or whatever, you know, like the giant boats and just demolishing that little girl with the car. Uh, it was ridiculous. This episode was written by Jennifer Lynch. Interesting. Yes. She must have been pretty young. Yeah. Yeah. I guess this would have been her, one of her first credits. I haven't, what, what, has she done anything lately? I know she was doing some TV. 
This is her first, yeah, this was her first credit. Yeah, she's, she looks like she's, I'm on her IMDb page right now, it looks like she's uh, doing a lot of TV. Yeah, I know, I know that she was working on a lot of TV stuff. Yeah, this is her first uh, credit. Wow, how about that? I like, I like her stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. She did that movie, I think it was called Chained. I think we talked about that once on... Did we? That was like the first time I was ever on any Film Pulse podcast. We talked about that because we were doing like... It was the ha- it was a Halloween special. We were doing like director's first and oh, yeah, last yeah. movie features. Uh, or first and most recent features. And yeah, that was that was the start of, of my podcasting uh, uh, with this... With, with Film Pulse. Cool. Yeah, I like that movie. Um, yeah, this... This episode was was fine. Uh, the next one, the long road home. Uh, the I already forgot. I forgot what this one was about. Um, I I know that it was that the, the t- Mickey and Johnny get. I know they get lost or something, and they end up in a house. This one's like sort of like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre type one where they they end up going up against some like hillbilly types i think if i remember correctly do you remember this one at all not really i i just remember it being being extremely chaotic i know that it involves a charm this one involves a yin yang charm i know that and the charm like you stick it on somebody and you transfer your consciousness to that person and I know that they were trying to escape these like hillbilly people. And I know that Johnny used the charm to transfer himself into one of the hillbilly people. I remember that. And I also remember there was a, there was a scene when they first go into this house, which is like, you know, they just break into basically break into a house in the middle of nowhere and the reason it is because uh, I think that they had they had like a, an altercation with one of the hillbilly people and the guy cut his fuel line and that's what caused them to run out of gas in the middle of nowhere and then end up end up um, by this this house and they're like looking around and uh, they're they're like. Oh yeah, these 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 this couple looks like a like like uh, some decent people, and as they're saying that he he this Johnny guy literally says they look like decent people, unironically. This happens right after he finds a human jaw laying on their kitchen table, and he picks it up and looks at it. It's like, you know, you see the human jaw, you just leave the house immediately. Just leave. It was like it was like the Texas Chainsaw Kitchen. That's what it looked like. There's like dead animals hanging from the ceiling. Oh, they look like decent people. <laughs> this episode was fine too. I didn't I didn't have any major issues with it. The curse portion of it was felt like very much an afterthought. The episode as a whole felt more like a, like a slasher movie type thing yeah. to me. Uh, and then we have my wife as a dog. Uh, not, not to be. I'm only using a slight amount of hyperbole when I say this is one. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a cursed leash, and this episode is baffling on so many levels. Uh, the fact that it was like made at all was baffling. Uh, maybe, maybe that was not like this type of thing was like normal in 1990. Maybe, we're, maybe we're just more sensitive to these types of things, uh, today where like, you know, the internet exists and maybe back then it was like things just weren't as you couldn't read into things as, as much as you can now, but man, this episode is just, uh, words can't describe 
no. what is going on in this episode. So this involves, it's basically like an incel who d- realizes that, so he has this, this dog who is, it's sick, it's old, it's dying. Um, but then he ends up getting this, this cursed leash. And whenever he kills someone with the leash, it makes the dog better. Um, but for some reason, and I don't even know how this is possible, it like sucks the life force out of the guy's ex-wife and transfers it to his dog. And I don't know how, like, how does the leash know who his ex-wife is? Like, are we beyond trying to figure out the logistics of this? I guess so, but I don't know. It still irked me. Um, but then... And that's all well and good. Like you realize, okay, sucking the life force out of, because at first I thought, oh, he's, he's strangling people with the leash. And then it was like, I, the way that I interpreted it at the beginning was, okay, it's taking the life force from the person that he's killed, putting it in the leash and then transferring that to the dog, making the dog better. That's not, that's not what happens. It sucks the life force out of his wife and is it basically is pulling a switcheroo where it's turning. Uh, so like the dog was sick at the beginning and then he kills someone transfers, tra- uses the leash. Uh, and then the wife gets sick. The dog gets better. Then, um, then he does it again and the dog gets smarter and the wife gets dumber. And then I, and then he does it another time and he uh, takes her eyes. Basically he, her, they, they swap eyes and this whole process is this guy uh, turning his dog into his wife. And it is insane. Absolutely insane. It's, it's up there with like the worst of the uh, Nightmare on, on Elm Street series episodes that we talked about in terms of just the extraordinary levels of misogyny. Yeah, I mean, this is on a dude. This is on a whole other level, and yeah, it, it's because yeah. there's no, there's like no resolution to the like. Well, there is sort of a resolution, but like the end, the that final scene is what really just tips this over over the edge when the guy ends up in jail and uh and um because what happens is that the transformation is complete so he turns his ex-wife into a literal dog and his dog it turns into his wife and the final scene is him in jail and the 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 dog now wife bringing him the newspaper and slippers and like panting with her tongue hanging out and him like petting her face it is what is it yeah it's unbelievable it doesn't say a lot for this that that's this is like the only episode that of the ones that i've seen where it ends with basically the the object doing what it was supposed to do in full yeah and like him and like the the person in question still who's being alive at the end of it and it's the one where it ends with that happening yeah that does not i not i'm not i no i i i reject that yeah i mean this this episode is absolute garbage like i couldn't i literally couldn't believe what i was watching it was so creepy it was so uh sexist it was like I just really was, I was really shocked at what I was seeing. So that's my wife as a dog. Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know how we're going to top that, but the next episode's called Jack in the box. This is a, a cursed Jack in the box. If you can believe that, uh, took them however many episodes to get, to this, uh, but it's really about uh, a, a. So there's this guy who I guess he's like he manages a pool or something, and 
there's these like drunk guys in the pool and he kicks him out and then they come back like the next day and kill him, which is insane. And his daughter ends up getting this, this Jack in the box and realizes that when you like turn it, it causes uh, like a demon or something to come out of water and drown the person. And that, causes her dad's ghost to appear and the dad i guess knows that she's doing this and he's just like stop killing people please but she she keeps on doing it there's a great scene when um there's this woman and she's like drawing a bath and you're like oh man she's gonna get it when she's in the bathtub but no they pull a little misdirect and I don't know. Maybe they couldn't afford. I don't know. But for some reason, she fills the sink with water also. And that's where it gets her out of the sink. But like, why did she fill the sink with water when she was about to take a bath in the bathtub? I don't get that. No. But also the girl was planning on killing her mom, too, which was also like this child should be committed because that's insane. She's a psycho. The, the, a fascinating episode in a certain respect. Well, one of the things about this was that when the father died, the mom, I, I mean, I'm assuming that, that that's when it, when it started, but she starts drinking and it is so comically overdone. The, the amount that, that the mom is drinking in this, like each scene that she's in, she's just chugging. She's just nonstop guzzling alcohol. And uh, that's why the, the, the daughter decides that she's going to kill her because she's like drinking too much or something. And well, it's not a bad episode. I mean, it's no, my wife is a dog or anything, but. Well, know. we should be very thankful that, it, that it's no, my <laughs> wife is a dog. Yeah. Not a very clever episode or anything like that uh the jack in the box thing like why is it tied to the water and also it's there were like multiple cursed objects that required water to to kill people there was a an earlier episode in the series with a uh a uh like a, a, a child a cursed uh like rocker like a like a bassinet type thing and that required the the owners to drown people. And then there was a foghorn, a cursed foghorn, in one of the episodes that involved water as well. So uh, curses involving water is definitely a theme that pops up a lot in this show. The next episode is called Spirit of Television. It's a cursed TV Again, can't believe it took him this long to do a cursed TV. This has some like videodrome style stuff where people get sucked into TVs and, and that's always fun. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's about a medium and this medium is able to like tell tell your your fortune or whatever through through this TV and um, basically she's, she ends up sacrificing people to the TV and the TV sucks them in. Uh, and it, the, the reason is because she's dying. I don't know from what, but she's dying and the TV is like prolonging her life as long as she keeps feeding it, feeding it people. Eh, again, not a bad, not, not a bad episode. Nothing particularly noteworthy with this one. It's this it's okay, I think. Any thoughts on this one? Not 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 really. <laughs> um next is the second to last episode we have the Tree of Life. This one's like a uh like a wicker man, like a wicker man type thing. It's it's kind of their satanic panic episode too. Mm-hmm. It's very much everything that the culture was afraid of in 1990. Yeah, druids. You got druids in this one where they're stealing babies. They're stealing uh, 
female newborn babies and raising them in their like druid covens or whatever. Um, yeah, this one's uh, this one's fine. I, I don't I don't have a, a problem with this one. Was there? I don't. It was, oh, it was a statue, a cursed statue. That's that's right. I feel like the cursed object didn't play a huge role in this one either. But according to the synopsis, it says uh, a, a, a an, an obstetrician practicing druidism utilizes a cursed statue to breed Jew, druid priestesses at her fertility clinic. That's right. So I guess like what she was doing was using the, the statue and helping couples get pregnant and they would get pregnant with twins and then they would leave them the one twin and keep the other one for themselves and say that it, it uh, was stillborn. So, yeah, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm a terrific fan of just like the, the, them using, I don't know, druids as their, you know, satanic panic episode, because like there are, you know, modern day druids, like they're real people. They're not, you know, just a made up cult that you can just <laughs> use for your TV show. Well, back then. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Then again, I don't know why I'm asking for tolerance from the show that gave us my wife as a dog or something, or as <laughs> whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah, I mean, people didn't know what. Like you said, and this, this show was really didn't know. Like you said, this was during the Satanic Panic, so yeah, every everything everything was about cults and yeah. Satan Satan worshiping back then. Going after the children. Yeah. Either way, I I did I didn't mind this episode. Uh, the uh, Jack, Jack almost ended up in a well, he did end up in a Wicker Man, but he got saved. And they even call it a Wicker Man, too. So even though it wasn't a Wicker Man, it was literally just like a like a basket. Um, the final episode was called uh, The Carnal Pit. This was a cursed painting. And it was a, a two-sided painting that was essentially like a, a portal that could send you... Um, back in time and Mickey ends up going through the, the painting and ends up with uh, hanging out with the Marquis de Sade. I didn't really, never a good time. no, I did. I did like how they, they really, uh, it was, this one was a little weird too, because like they made him out to be like a, like a sadistic monster, but that whole scene where Mickey's like writing the like journal or whatever, the diary entry, it seems like she's like really into him, which is strange. Um, but I wasn't yeah, really, again, the, the, the vibes on the show are bad. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of like weird, like sexual tension between, um, like Mickey and her cousin throughout the first and second season, which is very strange. Never, never got that. Never got what they were going for with, with that. Onto the show. Yeah. This, this show, the more, the more we look at into this show, the, more, the weirder it gets. Uh, I was not a fan of this episode. I, I, I don't know why I, I just, I'm not a, I, I don't really like the episodes that take place in like alternate alternate universes or timelines or whatever. Um, it almost felt like it was, I don't know. There was, there was one episode that, that was, I think it was the last episode of the first season that was like a clip show episode. And that's worse to me, but I just don't really like these types of things where the cast is transported to another time and place like that type of thing. I just didn't think that this was very interesting and, and kind of a bummer to end the series on this episode. It's it it's the one where it really does kind of if it, if it is true that the show was canceled in the middle of the production of this episode and they just kind of had to wrap it up very abruptly, it would explain why it suddenly feels like the last scene is just a very broad statement on the entire show. Yeah. 
like it's like then they're like, well, there's evil everywhere, blah blah blah. And it's like, okay, this is this is this is the show's way of saying there's not going to be any more, I guess. It is kind of a shame that they weren't allowed that they weren't able to just like kind of wrap things up nicely, like you know, with like closing down the shop or whatever or I don't know. It would have been it would have been nice to to see them be able to at least wrap things up. But yeah, whatever. It wasn't a, it wasn't a very good show to begin with. <laughs> so it's incredible that it lasted as long as it did. It was what, like how many episodes? Uh, 72? 72 episodes. Yeah. The uh the first episode of the third season was it was a double. It was a double episode. It was like a, an hour and a half. It's like an hour and a half long. And that was the one where Brian got written off. And there were a couple other two-parter episodes, but they were like, weren't, they weren't good. There was a, there was another one that involved like Amish people. It wasn't Amish people. I think that they like made up some religion or something in, in the show, but it was basically Amish or Mennonite people. And Ryan fell in love with, with one of them. The other thing about this show is that the amount of trauma that these three main characters or four, if you include Johnny, that they endure throughout the series is insane. Like multiple episodes where one of them like got a girlfriend or boyfriend and then they died that episode or um, one episode, Ryan's dad had the cursed object and he, he, it was a pipe and he, uh, ended up dying because he had the cursed object and it like corrupted him. Um, Johnny, his dad died in one of the episodes. Mickey had like multiple boyfriends die. Also like one of the funny things about her, like the writers of this show, like clearly did not have any kind of like broad concept of what they wanted to do with like the overarching story because I feel like they just constantly wrote themselves into a corner where, you know, they, they clearly wanted there to be some sort of like attraction or something between Ryan and Mickey, but they couldn't really do that because they are cousins after all. And then also like with the character of Mickey, like she initially goes to the, to the, uh, the store to help out, temporarily and she doesn't even live in this in that city and she has a a fiance who was waiting for her to come back and they completely like wrote that whole storyline out where she just like ends up leaving her fiance uh to to work on this store so at the uh, yeah it's it's not a very good show it's uh very haphazardly thrown together a lot of the times most of the episodes are not not very memorable and, and kind of forgettable, but I think that the first season does have a few gems here and there. Um, I'd say I enjoyed like the first half of the first season, but I think it just slowly derails in, mm. and then until until we get my wife is a dog, the ultimate low point. Yeah. Of any TV show ever. <laughs> you can't, I, we cannot overemphasize how awful <laughs> that episode is. Yeah. Uh, apparently, there's a new Friday the 13th series that's in the works on Peacock. It's called Crystal Lake. Uh, but this th- this is actually like a prequel to the the movies so it's like um you know it's like a real a real friday the 13th tie-in uh any other like closing thoughts on this show as a whole not much not 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 really it's uh it's not from the episodes that i saw not really much to report or recommend yeah what like where where are you at comparing this and Nightmare on Elm Street? Like which which one do you think is 
the better series? I don't know. <laughs> they're they're both equally garbage. Yes. <laughs> they're both equally problematic. Yes. It's it's funny. I think that this is a better show, but I found the Nightmare on Elm Street one to be more memorable just because it was a lot of the, a lot of the episodes were just really out there and they were so bad that they were memorable whereas a lot of these episodes were just not like nothing they're like all they were like all kind of like really bad x-files episodes hmm yeah cool uh all right we will be back with um movies next month so if you are sick of us doing tv don't worry we're gonna be coming back to movies next month we already have a plan and i'm very excited for that Uh, i think that that's going to be it for this month thank you so much for tuning in you can send us your 90s memories to 90s at filmpulse.net or by dming us on facebook or twitter at 90s pod if you get a moment consider reviewing us on itunes that'd be great Until next month, for Ken Bakley, my name's Adam Patterson. This has been Saved by the 90s. Bye, everyone.